At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone but not just anyone alma is there to help you find the right fit visit helloalma.com therapy 30 to schedule a free consultation today that's helloalma.com therapy 30 this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, here we go. It's another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, and as much as it, well, the games aren't for a while yet, feels like it's game day always when we talk about the Buffalo Bills in the upcoming season. So much excitement in the air. Matt Bove, Channel 7, WKBW TV Sports Director, as always, joins me here on the program. What's going on, brother? How are you? Oh, not much. You know, we're getting ready for a little bit of a break for everybody. Hopefully everybody's enjoying their summer up to this point. It's been pretty hot. Let's keep it going. And you know what? Training camp's inching close. That's a good and a bad thing. Like, I love the fact that we're getting close to training camp and we're getting close to football, but it also means summer is going by a little bit too fast as it, I feel like it always does. But yeah, no complaints on my end. And real quickly, I'll tell you, I was out at um, this past weekend. I was out at Highmark Stadium for USA Football's uh, Youth Kid Fan Fest, basically, to participate. Not as a media member. I think you were there, actually, uh, as a media member. But uh, I know your station was. But Max participating on the field and doing all the football drills. But I saw so many people who just, you know, would come up and go, what do you think? What do you think? They're getting excited. And that was really cool. You know, you could just feel it in the air at an event like that where everybody's coming back to the stadium, even if it's not for a Buffalo Bills game. And it's not even like there. Obviously, if people are there for a football events, they're probably interested in football. It's everywhere you go. It's doesn't matter the setting, doesn't matter the situation. I can't tell you how many times somebody has come up to me in the last five, six months and asked me, a, and they're not even just like questions like, how are the bills going to be this year? Because that's what we've had for a while. It's like, hey, you think Arise is going to be able to hold? Is that going to be an issue? Or it's like, hey, what's the deal with Tavon Austin? Could he make this team? So people are like, they're not just into it. People are like really, really into it. And they're ready. And that's exciting. And we're really into telling you all about the state of the Bills. We went through the quarterback and running back position on the last episode. So now we're going to fire up the pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends. And actually, Matt, that's where I want to start because I've been saying on WGR now for several months that I don't think that fans should really look at the Bills receivers necessarily as wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. I think they should just look at them as pass catchers. Now, of course, they're actually playing those positions, wide receiver, tight end, and running back, and they'll be listed as those 
on the roster, but it seems to me like the Bills have constructed a team here where they have just all different kinds of pass catchers that they can mix and match on the field. And I think that's going to bring us to the tight ends more than the receivers when we talk about them. But even for the receivers, there's just so many of them. This is going to be an absolute dogfight when it comes time for training camp. Yeah, it's weapons. These guys are weapons for Josh Allen, and they are all meant to do something a little differently than their counterparts, and that's what the Bills are banking on. And, you know, when we think of wide receivers, we think of the guys that they have, and they want people who can stretch the field. They want people who can create yards after the catch. That's something this team has struggled with. They want somebody who can be physical and who can win those one-on-one battles. And then they also want tight ends that find space. They want tight ends who they can trust in the red zone. They want tight ends that bring them more versatility than they've had. So I think when you look at the group as a whole, pass catchers, this is about as deep this as this team has been. That doesn't necessarily mean the position groups individually are stronger than they've been, because I'm willing to make the argument that last year's wide receiver room was more talented than this year's wide receiver room. But then I think when you take into account the addition of O.J. Howard, when you take into account the addition of James Cook, now top to bottom, they've got options. And that's a good thing for the Bills, and it's a great thing for Josh Allen. I don't think we need to spend much time on the top two guys because we know it's Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. I think the only question there would be two questions. You know, could Stephon Diggs you know, continue you know, his monster pace he's been on the last couple of years and all the targets and all the, <laughs> excuse me, receptions and what he's meant to Josh Allen. But I also think that, you know, the other question is Gabriel Davis and can he really elevate himself into that true number two role, especially after what we saw in Kansas City, the four touchdown performance. I think a lot of people are expecting a really big year, but he also wasn't expected to be that guy last year. And they had Emmanuel Sanders. They don't anymore. Now he's going to get a lot more of the snaps. He's going to get a lot more of the targets. The thing that concerns me, and once again, like I'm knocking on wood while I'm saying this, it's not about Gabriel Davis getting an expanded role. It's that I feel there's a pretty big drop off with their specific wide receivers that they're going to line up on the outside after Diggs and after Davis. And if either one of them is injured for any substantial period of time, I'm curious what they're going to do. They have other options that they can line up on the inside. They've got Isaiah McKenzie. They're going to use Khalil Shakir in some way. Jamison Crowder is going to play the slot for this team. So it's not like they're going to be completely bare if they're dealing with an injury, but they don't have a lot of other guys who specifically thrive in that role, like lining up on the outside. So I think they'll be fine. They do just need to stay healthy. And that's a big ask, obviously, when we're talking about the NFL. But from a strictly like these guys are healthy standpoint, Stefan Diggs to me, top five receiver in the NFL. And I think Gabriel Davis is just continuing to trend in the right direction. He's not going to obviously have four touchdowns every game like the last time we saw him on the field. But I think he is a bona fide, legit number two wide receiver. And I think he's proven that when thrown to, he will make the big play that started his rookie year and it continued into his sophomore year. I know the two of us sale. I was banging the gavel so many times last year. Like, why is this guy not playing more? They trusted Emmanuel Sanders. They trusted the veteran. Now that that guy's not here, Gabriel Davis is going to get those snaps. And I think they're going to be a better offense because of it. So he is not a burner per se, but you're right. He makes big plays, right? His yards per catch. He's always down the field. He has a knack for his route running. We saw in the Kansas City game. It's just incredible. 
I agree with you about Gabriel Davis, you know, expected role. And the question is, you know, can he handle that volume? He should be able to, but we'll see in short of injury. I think the Bills are in very good hands with their top two. After that, it becomes a little bit interesting because so there are 11 receivers on this club. The top two we just went through, Diggs and Davis. Then it's, I'm just going to give you them in this order. Most of them are the guys near the top of the head in the depth chart, but it's Mc, Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder, Khalil Shakir, Marquez Stevenson, Jake Kumaro, Isaiah Hodgins, Tavon Austin, Tanner Gentry, and the undrafted free agent out of BYU, Neil Powell. So when you look at that group, a lot of the, a lot of the conventional wisdom I know that we've talked about on the radio side of things is maybe McKenzie, Crowder, and Shakir are kind of fighting for two spots because it seems like they all have the same skill set. Now, I don't think that has to be true necessarily, but it just kind of feels like, aren't you kind of doubling and tripling up if you keep all three of them on the roster? I think that all three of them will be on the roster at this point in the offseason. I think Khalil Shakir is maybe their long-term project hope at slot. So they have Jamison Crowder now. He's the guy to bridge the gap between Cole Beasley and Khalil Shakir. And if Jamison Crowder turns out to be an absolute stud, then he's probably going to go get paid somewhere. If he turns out to be serviceable, then they'll probably keep him around. Or if he doesn't have a strong season, then eventually they'll move on. I know the Bills didn't give Isaiah McKenzie a ton of money, but I do think it says something that they were right out at the beginning of the offseason, re-signing Isaiah McKenzie. Like, it was one of the first moves that they made. I think it might have been like Saran Neal was one. He might have been two. So I think that says something, that they truly value him. I think they like his position versatility. I also think they can trust him as an offensive playmaker. Last year, we had the questions of like, well, can he handle the kick returns? Can he handle the punt returns? Same thing, like in the playoffs, he was getting looks. In that Patriots game, they leaned on him big time when Beasley wasn't available. So I think those three are all going to make the team. For me, it's a question of after that, what happens? Do they keep six guys? Do they keep seven guys? I don't know the answer to that. We know they'll at least keep six. The question is, do they keep seven and do they keep a guy who they value for special teams? Do they keep a guy who they value in the run game as a blocker? Those are the questions that I have as we get further down the depth chart. So I am not completely convinced that Jamison Crowder makes this club. I, I think that even they get, they get him a one-year deal. Uh-huh. If Khalil Shakir really comes out of the gates banging away and Isaiah McKenzie looks really good, I think that you know they could save some money. Now, that said, I think Jamison Crowder is a heck of a wide receiver and he's a very good route runner, and he's exactly what you described as, hey, that's the Cole Beasley replacement. So I would still think he's going to make the club. I just don't think it's a slam dunk because of what we just talked about and what you just brought up because Khalil Shakir is making the team. The yeah. question is, does he get a jersey on game day is what it comes down to. And then it's, hey, is Isaiah McKenzie still the guy that you believe he can be and has been? And like you said, I think they have a lot of faith in him the way they've kind of treated him. Marquez Stevenson, at this point, maybe 50-50 to make this team, especially after the addition of... Tavon Austin, who I think all of us agree really looked good on his first week or so in, in his, in his first week or so at training camp at mini camp, I should say, but Marquez Stevenson is their investment. He is the guy they have put a lot into to try and become that return man. I think they'd like to see that through. I don't know if necessarily that means that he has to make this squad. And I think that he's a guy that's got to be on notice. Maybe once training camp begins. Yeah, so I think that it will come down to one of those two to ultimately make the team. I think if it's close, 
they'll go with Marquez Stevenson just because he is a draft pick. He's younger. He's got potential. I think if Tavon Austin continues kind of the upward trajectory that he had from minicamp to training camp, then he does have a real shot at making the team. And maybe that means Stevenson is a practice squad guy. I don't think that if he doesn't make the Bills team and they put him on the practice squad, there would be, you know, teams lining up to go sign him just because he hasn't really proved he hasn't really proven anything at this point. So I think that that is a very real competition. I would say right now, I would actually lean towards Tavon Austin. I'd say it's maybe like 60-40, Tavon Austin, 40 Stevenson. But I mean, Sal, that's like to me wide receiver might be the most interesting position battle going into training camp, even though we know the guys at the top. I'm just curious of, because there's a lot of other options at the bottom. After Diggs and Davis, I mean, then it just, I think McKenzie is pretty close to a lock too. And Shakir is a lock because of where they drafted him. But after that, I think it gets very interesting of how it all plays out. So Jake Kumaro comes into play here because of a question you brought up a little while ago. Who's the next outside guy? Believe it or not, it could be Jay Kumaro is that next outside guy. Jay Kumaro has experience doing that. He didn't play a lot. He had that touchdown in Denver, everybody remembers. But then it comes into the special teams aspect. And when you think about a guy like Kumaro, you have to kind of put him in that bucket of him with Taiwan Jones, Tyler Medikevich, Andre Smith, who's going to be suspended you know, for the first six weeks. These are just special teams guys who happen to play a position break glass in case of emergency type of thing, right? But in Kumaro's case, he might be a little more than break glass in case of emergency. Yes, he is a core special teamer, but he might be needed on game day to be that extra outside guy in case someone rolls an ankle, you know, in pregame warmups or something. And I think that's why he's super interesting. And I think this offseason could not have gone better for him. And that has nothing to do with anything that he's done on the field, but it has everything to do with the kind of guys that they brought into the locker room, whether it was in the draft and free agency, because Khalil Shakir, he has position versatility, but I don't think they're just going to throw him outside. Jamison Crowder is a slot receiver. They bring back Isaiah McKenzie. He's once again, versatile, but not somebody who's going to live on the outside. And then you go further down the list. They didn't add anybody. They didn't add like another version of Gabriel Davis or Emmanuel Sanders or somebody who is specifically going to play the outside. So I think that he definitely has a shot at making the team. And I would think that he has a good shot. I think he's probably of that group of like Tavon Austin, Marquez Stevenson, Isaiah Hodgins, and then him. I would say he's the most likely to make the team, but I would actually argue that Tavon Austin might be the most likely to make an impact just given the skill set. I I love what Tavon Austin's brought the first couple of weeks as well, like I said, but it's still hard for me to put him on this team. I want to see him do it. I mean, he came in fresh. He's been aiming mm-hmm. towards this. I know he's a fantastic athlete. He had this great college career, did a lot in the NFL early on, but he hasn't done a lot in a while. I want to see him hold this through training camp. I think that's hard to do. And I think by the end of training camp, maybe these young guys will surpass him, but that's what makes it super interesting. But let's talk about Isaiah Hodgins for a minute, Matt. Mm-hmm. Is his time in Buffalo just up? Like, can, does he have a shot to, you know, be on the 53? Because he's been here two years now. I think a lot of people thought when they drafted him, he would be the guy that maybe Gabriel Davis actually turned into me. Maybe not the type of body and the things he's doing, but being on the field is that much. And the guy who's contributing, he hasn't. Gabriel Davis took over from, took him over immediately when they hit the ground running in training camp their rookie year. He spent that year on IR, spent last year on the practice squad. I feel like there's just not a spot for him and he hasn't proven anything. 
I'm like having flashbacks to like Des Lewis training yes. camps and like yes. things like that. I think that he has a shot, but he needs to have an exceptional training camp and he really needs to splash in the preseason. And I still think given the circumstance, given the injuries that he's dealt with, given the whole COVID way, the way that COVID has impacted the last two years in the NFL, I think that plays a factor. I would say in most instances, if you haven't, made the team up to this point, you're probably not going to make the team and you're just going to hope to be a practice squad guy. He has a shot, but I think it would be him or Kumaro. And then a lot of that would also depend on what are the other players that make the team. If they decide that they want Hodgins over Kumaro, then that means Medikevich and Taiwan Jones probably make the team or some of the other guys who play special teams because you still need to make sure that you can fill those positions. And I know there's probably people who are listening to this and they're rolling their eyes and they're like, they're not going to take special teams into account. Oh, no, they will. Oh, 100%. They very, they very yeah. much will. That does play a factor. There's a reason we talk about can matterize a hold because they do value special teams <laughs> and they put, a, they put a lot into it. All right. I actually really like what Tanner Gentry's done in camp, but I just don't think he really has much of a shot. To me, he is the perfect practice squad wide receiver. He's going to do everything he's coached to do. He's going to be reliable every day to show up, be a good guy in the building, be a good teammate. And uh, hey, it's not, it's not a bad living, I guess, if you can get paid to play professional football, even if you don't get a jersey on game day. Yeah, and he's boys with Josh from back at Wyoming. Right. So it's like, hey, you've got the superstar franchise quarterback. Like, you know, every once in a while you throw him a bone and you're like, yeah, we'll keep your buddy on the practice squad. We'll give him a nice paycheck. Your wives and girlfriends can be friends with each other. And, you know, <laughs> this is this is also the way that sometimes these front offices think. Yeah, that's right. So I I think we're all in, we're in agreement here on the back end. But in the middle, it's going to be really interesting. We'll see how it shakes out the Bills wide receiver group. How about the tight ends? We'll talk about them here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, so we just talked about the wide receivers. Now we look at the tight ends, and wouldn't you know it, the Bills don't just have a very legit number one tight end. They've also now got an interesting player, at number two tight end with the addition of OJ Howard. Poor OJ Howard, man. Like they bury the lead on this one. They signed Von Miller. And then like three minutes later, the reports come out. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, the Bills are also signing OJ Howard. And we completely didn't get a chance to talk about what he could potentially do for this team. But now we fast forward into the offseason in sale. That's where I have in these conversations. So I don't think we need to really figure out like the depth chart order or anything with the tight ends, but O.J. Howard's a really interesting addition for the Bills. Yeah, and I don't know if there's been too much made of how he's looked so far in mini camps. He's big, and he's not super smooth in and out of breaks. I think some people have said like he's looked a little slower or sluggish. Multiple you know, people have kind of reported that. I will even admit, I think that that might be what it is, but I, I want to stop myself short and remember, you're also – kind of comparing him to these new wave, new age tight ends that I think a lot of people thought he'd be. He hasn't necessarily been, but he's still a good athlete and he's big and he can still create mismatches. So I don't, I want to stop short of just thinking, oh, he's struggling. And when he gets to camp, you know, let's see, he's going to be really far behind. I think he could still matter in this offense. I think the bills are planning on him mattering, but I don't see him anywhere near the level right now, at least of what they believe Dawson Knox can be. He is still to me though, they're number two tight end. And I think they want to use two tight ends a lot. I do. And I also look back to last year and it wasn't a super long time, but when Dawson Knox got injured and missed that little bit of time in the middle of the season, the bills often struggled. Like they were not the same group that we were used to them seeing. And I know that there's a lot of other factors that go into that, but I think it was because they didn't have a tight end who threat the, de- or was a threat to the defense in any way, shape or form. And that's not a knock on Tommy Sweeney, but defenses aren't game planning to stop top, stop Tommy Sweeney. That's a tongue twister. They are for Dawson Knox. OJ Howard is probably somewhere in the middle of that. If something happens to Dawson Knox, then OJ Howard is at least serviceable. And then you still probably have Tommy Sweeney on this team or on the practice squad in some capacity. So I do think that it's unfair to compare him to Dawson Knox, especially as Knox has emerged as, you know, one of the better young tight ends in the NFL. But I do think that you won't be able to just ignore him because if defenses are focusing completely on the wide receivers and on Dawson Knox and they're like, well, yeah, let OJ Howard do what he's got to do. He is going to win some mismatches and be an option for the bills. Even if he is a little bit slower than sale, maybe we thought he would be. He's a big dude, by the way. I mean, he's you really huge. do notice, right? He's huge. Yeah. I mean, he's, you, you see him when he's out there. He makes, he makes quite the impression. Remember when Josh talked to us like the first day of, even workouts. And he said, he was asked like, does anybody surprise you? He goes, Oh my God, OJ Howard is huge. I would not want to be in front of him running the ball. Yeah. Yeah. He's a massive guy. It, it that like, it was one of those things. I remember the first time we were on the fields, there were a couple things that stood out to me. One was how big OJ Howard is. One was how small James cook looks maybe <laughs> just compared to some of the other guys out there. And then a couple other guys just got like yoked in the off season. And you're like, Holy crap. Like that guy did not skip a right. gym day at all. No doubt about it. And OJ Howard, 
I think the Bills, you know, hope he has some sort of reinvention to his career. And of course he does too. He is on a one-year deal. And like you said about, you know, Crowder earlier, if he can really make an impact, he's going to help himself. So there's a lot of people, including OJ Howard, very much invested on him having that year. Now you brought up Tommy Sweeney. Since Tommy Sweeney was drafted, I've said one of the best hands on the team. Tommy Sweeney catches everything. He did have a drop last year in a game, I remember. And I said to myself, well, there goes my Tommy Sweeney catches everything. But he does. He has great hands. He is not the athlete that Dawson Knox is, probably even O.J. Howard is necessarily, uh, as much as we just talked about maybe being a little bit slower. But Tommy Sweeney is a capable blocker, and he catches everything. To me, he is the consummate backup NFL tight end. That's what he is. I think the question really comes into play here, though, is do they want to keep a third or do they not here considering all the other numbers around the roster? Couple factors here. The first one I'm going to say is that Tommy Sweeney has immaculate vibes. And I think that matters to the bills. Like they love Tommy Sweeney. They want him around this team, whether it's on the 53 or whether it's on the practice squad, if they have a say, He will be in that locker room in some way, shape, or form. The second thing that we need to bring up is what is Reggie Gilliam? Like, is Reggie Gilliam a tight end? Is he a fullback? Is he a running? Like, I know for the sake of the 53, it really doesn't matter. But if they have these spots allotted and they're like, okay, well, normally we keep this many running backs, we keep a fullback, we keep this many wide receivers, this many tight ends, then I think there is an outside chance that all four of those guys are on the Bills team. So Knox, O.J. Howard, Tommy Sweeney, and then Reggie Gilliam. If they decide that Reggie Gilliam is a tight end, and I'm putting air quotes here, then Tommy Sweeney probably has an outside shot, and more likely than not, he's a practice squad guy. But that being said, I'm not ruling anything out because he is a very capable blocker. He's a little bit more like if you that's what you were game planning for a certain game, you would rather have him in than Reggie Gilliam. Reggie Gilliam can just kind of do more things. He's just a little bit more versatile, but they got so many guys that are versatile. Maybe there is space for a couple people who really just excel at one particular area. Yeah, it's a great point. I'm glad you brought up Reggie Gilliam because, you know, when you talk about running backs, we kind of threw him off to the side there because, you know, he's he's a fullback. And then if you talk about tight ends, you throw him aside because he's a fullback. Well, wait a minute. Where does he fit in then? Because he has to count and he's going to be on this team. I think Reggie Gilliam's on this team. I think he's on the 53. He matters to them. And I do think that there's a chance that he could bump Tommy Sweeney. Like that's maybe the guy that he bumps off the roster more than anyone. Maybe, maybe more than any running back, even that that Mm -hmm. would be the guy who would bump off the roster. So I think that's a really great point that you make on him. Now, when it comes to, if they do keep a third and if it's a true tight end, not Reggie Gilliam, it doesn't have to be Tommy Sweeney. I just want people to know that Quentin Morris is a guy that I think this organization really thinks has come along and has developed. And I would not discount Quentin Morris being that third tight end. If they keep a third true tight end. Uh, You know, I don't know if I agree. I don't disagree with the sentiment that like Quentin Morris is a more complete tight end, but I almost think at that point on the roster, it's like, uh, well, this is the guy that gels so well with the other guys. Yeah. And I think they might value that more because you can, and I don't want to knock Quentin Morris, but like you could go out and find another guy like that if you absolutely had to in the middle of the year. I think they would just be really worried if something happened and they couldn't have Tommy. Like if Tommy Sweeney doesn't make the 53 man roster, he will be on the practice squad. 
I just think they would get, you know, kind of scared of like, okay, we got to cut them. I don't think another team would really come and sign them. I, I just don't see a situation where Morris makes this team. Practice squad, possibly. I, I just don't see a situation where he's on the 53. A lot of people thought the Bills got a steal in Jalen Weidermeyer being available as an undrafted free agent. Um, they did sign him after he went undrafted when many people thought he would get drafted. I'll say the same thing you just did about Quentin Morris, where, look, you, you're, you're probably, there's a reason he went undrafted. I mean, every team gets a shot. He's seven through, <coughs> excuse me, through seven rounds, but I don't see him making the roster. I do think that that's the kind of guy you put in as a project on the practice squad. Let's remember, we just said, OJ Howard has that one-year deal. Matt Dawson Knox has one year left on his deal, right? I mean, you have to start maybe thinking about the future at the tight end position. So I, I don't see that happening. You could touch on Jalen Watermeyer if you want, but I do want to ask you about Dawson Knox and going into this last year of his deal. Um, he says, you know, obviously he's not thinking about it, but it is something fans are thinking about. How much are you thinking about, you know, Dawson Knox long-term, where he fits into this team, what they might have to do? So it's funny because we've had this conversation as it pertains to Jordan Poyer a couple yeah. of times, and we take all of these players and we put them in a basket, and you've probably heard us say this before, but if you look at the guys who need new contracts, Jordan Poyer, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Dawson Knox, and who knows, maybe even Gabriel Davis, but if you put all those guys in a basket, I think Dawson Knox is the one that's the most likely to sign a new contract with the Bills and probably the maybe the quickest one that will get done because it seems like a perfect fit. Dawson Knox developed the right way in Buffalo, became this guy who went from you know two touchdowns to three touchdowns to nine touchdowns. He was this kind of piece of clay when they drafted him, and you didn't know what he would get molded into. And now he has gotten molded into the prototypical tight end in the NFL in 2022. So I think that he will be a part of this team for a long time. And I think that they'll be pretty generous with the contract that they give him just because he kind of embodies everything that I think they want. It's like, listen, if you're drafted here and you work and you get to what you're trying to get to, we will pay you and we will compensate you the way that you are you know, meant to be compensated. And that once again, comes down to the, like, this is now the core of the Buffalo bills. It's Josh Allen. It's Stefan Diggs. It's Gabriel Davis. It's Dawson Knox. Like from a skill quarterback position standpoint, like that is their core probably for a long time. And then everybody else is compliments to them. And I do think that the bills value the tight end position. And I know that Josh values Dawson Knox. Speaking of Dawson Knox, we caught up with the Buffalo bills fourth year tight end. And we'll bring that to you coming up next on it's always game day in Buffalo. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
All right, Bill's fourth year tight end, Dawson Knox. He's going into the final year of his contract. I think he's become a fan favorite when you say that, Matt. Dawson Knox is definitely a fan favorite. Oh, absolutely he is. You see a ton of 88 jerseys around town, and you know the Bills just did one of those embedded series on him. They went down to his hometown of Nashville. They did a series with him and his family. He's And you'll hear it coming up, but he is an exceptional guy, a great personality, and there's a reason fans love him because he's a really good football player, but he's also a really good dude. No doubt about it, and you can tell that comes out in a lot of the things that he tells us as we caught up with Dawson Knox. We are joined by Bill's tight end, Dawson Knox. So you've been playing a lot of football. You've also been playing another sport. We've seen you get out on the golf course a little bit here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Golf is uh, growing on me very fast. I got the bug right now. I mean, I'm terrible. I've broken 100, I think, twice. Um, started playing about this time last year, but hoping to, uh, you know, maybe break 90 this off season. So we'll see. I got about five weeks. I might try to get out there almost every day, but um, it's been awesome. It's been fun. Tell us the story of the deer. We've heard it on the radio from Jeremy White, all right, my colleague. But we don't really know what happened, why it happened. We're thankful the deer is okay, though. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, deer's great. Um, so it was it was hooking hard to the left. And uh, no one saw the deer until we saw the line of the ball. They're like, oh, there's a deer. Oh, God. Oh, no. It's... <laughs> and then uh, I think it, like, hit its hoof because it bounced hard. Deer takes off into the woods. He like kicks out perfectly in the fairway. Oh so I was like, all right, sweet, we'll take it. But uh, yeah, never hit a deer before. Hopefully not again. All right, so there's been some turnover with the team. So the next question is we're going from golf to Catan. Like who is the crew now? Like because no Harrison, no Mitch, no David. Like those were mainstays in your board game shenanigans. That's a great question. I think we're actually playing tonight. Um, so Greg Mance is a big newcomer. He's got a bunch of wins under his belt already. Uh, Mitch Morris is playing with the boys, Tommy Doyle, Spencer Brown, Tommy Sweeney's one of the OGs, obviously Josh. Um, we're trying to we're trying to teach some guys how to play. Like Gabe's interested. He's not fully bought in yet, uh, but we're getting him there. So we got a little crew going over to Josh's tonight, I think. So. I think that's interesting for people. You say, like, yeah, we're playing tonight. Like, I think there's this perception. You guys get together, you go out at night, whatever, but you got to be dialed in and taking care of your bodies and things like that. What is it like? this time of year at night what you're doing when you're preparing for coming out to practice the next day or whatever yeah yeah so coming out to practice the next day like i'm in bed 10 at the latest you know i'm trying to get at least eight hours of sleep i start stressing out if i'm only getting seven um but usually i'm trying to get nine hours uh only drink on nights that uh you got nothing coming up um so now you know, or this time of year, we got nothing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I might go out on a, you know, Friday or Saturday night with my boys. But um, definitely plan on hitting the lake a lot, too, this offseason. So that's, that's going to be fun. So, like, what's the balance, though? Because you are you going home? Yeah. So you, so you go home to Nashville. You obviously want to make sure that you're still ready to go for training camp. But you also need to unwind because you're about to play a lot of football for a lot of months in a row. So, like, how do you find the balance of, like, still getting in the work but also understanding that you need – to be the best version of yourself on the field to get away for a little bit. Yeah, and that's something that not a whole lot of people actually talk about is the mental, you know, unwind part of it because um, the season's long. You know, it starts for us, I think, July 23rd is our official report date. Um, so from then until, you know, middle of February, we're going to be going at it hard almost every day. So there is a big mental reset that needs to happen. So my schedule this off season will be working out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, which is – a little bit of lifting, a little bit of running, a little bit of routes, um, kind of like an off recovery day on Wednesdays, uh, you know, massage, body work, stuff like that. But then the weekends hit, and you got to 
you know, go out and enjoy yourself because we don't have, obviously, our off days like, you know, Monday or Tuesday during the season, which you can't really do anything anyway. Um, but either golfing or going out to the lake, um, just little things like that to where you can completely unwind, stop thinking about football and kind of, you know, kind of have that deep breath of fresh air before everything starts going full speed. First of all, what lake are you talking about? So we all know. And second of all, do you have any other, like, vacations planned? Are you going away at all? Oh, yeah. So, uh Old Hickory is my favorite lake in Nashville. Um, I grew up on Center Hill, which is about an hour and a half outside of it, outside of Nashville. But Old Hickory is 20 minutes from downtown. So um, it's one of my favorite spots. You know, quick little drive, get everyone out on the boat. There's this little cove called Two Foot Cove. Everyone gets out on the water, literally two feet of water. So everyone's walking around playing sand volleyball and throwing the football around and playing uh it's that game with like the post and the beer bottle on top. Um, uh, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, I'm talking. It, uh, no. It's got I, some name to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like you throw it at the, the Throw pole. the frisbee yeah, at the yeah, pole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that game's super fun. Yeah. So just little things like that. Um, getting on a jet ski. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Old Hickory. What, what was the, what was the second part? Like oh, yeah. So I got a wedding in Mexico next week, oh, wow. uh, which will be fun. So that Family actually. Friend. Uh, he plays for the Eagles, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's getting married. Super excited for that uh, for that wedding. We'll be down in Cancun. Um, so that actually goes through Tide and U, but I'm coming back a little bit early from the wedding so I can get back to Tide and U next week. I think I'll miss the first day, uh, but I'll be out there for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What do you take away from an event like that? You get to go. You get to learn from some of the greatest tight ends that have ever played the game. And I know last year you said it was really, really beneficial – as you go this year, what are the things that you want to take away from it? Yeah, I think just going into it with open ears and not really expecting anything, but having your notebook open to see if anybody might have a you know tip or trick or two that you can use for your own game, whether it's a release off the line of scrimmage or run blocking technique. Um, I think just going into it with an open mind, seeing what you can learn. Um, it was really fun last year, too, just to kind of build chemistry between other tight ends because it's not – you can't really look at it as like a competition because we're not on the same team. So kind of just that um, camaraderie of going out with the guys, going to Top Golf, you know, renting out a bar on Broadway for one of the nights, um, even golfing on Saturday, at, you know, at a nice golf course. So it, it's usually really fun. I think uh, I think it'll be great this year too. All right, last one from me, football question, because I'm sitting out there, I'm watching, I'm thinking, you got you, OJ Howard, Tommy, like this veteran group now, right? I remember you go back to 19, it's you and Tommy sitting there and like your rookies. I don't even remember who else was in the tight end room back then, right? It's amazing to think about how that group has transformed. So just could you kind of talk about that, but also having Rob Boris through your entire career so far and what that's meant for you. Oh, yeah. Coach Boris has been, you know, the staple that's held everything together. He is awesome, and I've learned more from him than I have, you know, from anybody um, throughout, you know, these last three or four years and in all aspects of the game too. Like, I'm so glad he's still here. I hope he... You know, if I somehow end up on a, some a, other team, I'd want him to come with me. He's just that type of coach. But hopefully we'll be here together for a long time. Uh, but, yeah, it's weird thinking about rookie year. You know, that's three years ago now. This is I'm going into year four, and it was me and Tommy, but uh, Tyler Croft was back back oh, there, uh, Jason Kroom, Lee Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so it's a completely yeah, different room now. Everybody. That's right. Oh, no question, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's cool to be kind of like the leader of the room now. Um, it's been, it's been fun to develop into that and to kind of take a guy to the side, you know, for a second or two, give him a little tip or something on a route, but also just be the encourager and, 
um, being a good friend of the guys too. So it's it's been fun. And then the last one for me. So 2019, we were just talking about it. That was the last time you guys were in Rochester for training camp. And now you go back. So like, what are the things you look forward to about Rochester training camp? And what are the things that you're dreading about training camp? Um, I'm definitely thankful the weather's nice up here. Yeah. You know, going to school at Ole Miss, growing up in Nashville, it is muggy, like hot, hot. Like I think this year or this week in Nashville, I think it's been 10 degrees hotter than Miami. Um, and that's with extra humidity too. So it's it's been nasty. But the weather's always great up here. And it's always my favorite thing is having the fans. Um, having a full, you know, you know, I guess, I don't know, a couple thousand maybe? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So having the fans out there just makes practice so much more fun because it's it's easier to get yourself going when you know you got an audience and the competition's a little higher. Um, so that's probably my favorite part. Um, but definitely just dreading like the grind of camp. You know, just your body's hurting everywhere. Just naturally getting into that football shape that you can't mimic unless you do camp. So um, kind of dreading the physical part, but. Um, just the camaraderie and having the fans there and getting back into the routine is always fun. Dawson Knox, thank you for the time. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being our third guest. Let's go, baby. Lucky number three. All right, so that was Bill's tight end, Dawson Knox. Obviously a very fun guy. He likes to make jokes. He got a lot of attention a couple weeks ago when he was talking about Josh Allen, and he said <laughs> that Josh loves a good D's nuts joke, and then he gave us some examples. Like he, They like to have a good time in that locker room, and Dawson, it, that stuff is fine and dandy when you perform on the field, and he certainly has up to this point in his career. No doubt about it, and I know Bills fans hope he sticks around for quite a while, especially, though, having a big year this year to make it happen and the Bills to use Dawson Knox and to keep seeing him elevate to uh, uh, really one of the star tight ends in the league. I think he's kind of put himself in position to be able to do this. All right, for Matt Bove, Channel 7 Sports Director, WKBW-TV in Buffalo, I'm Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550 and Bill's Sideline Reporter. Thank you very much to our producer slash director, Jim Stelliano. Is he really the director? I don't know. I don't think he directs us. He just produces it, right? Yeah, he... Producer and editor, let's say. There you go. Okay, okay. Well, Jimmy does a lot, though. We thank him very much. And uh, we're going to be back again with some more of the State of the Bills on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.